The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. Hello and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast, live from the Sundance Film Festival, the 2018 edition. If you were expecting the 2017 edition, this is not that. Uh, My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment, and I'm joined here by the esteemed... Eric Hines, uh, curator of film at Museum of the Moving Image, and uh, Film Comment columnist. Yes, uh, Eric is our Make It Real columnist, the authority on nonfiction. Well, I'm, I'm very happy this has, has come to fruition. We will be doing a daily podcast at Sundance, from Sundance, within Sundance, about <laughs> Sundance, around and against Sundance. It will be a daily report of what we've seen right. and uh, a dialogue about what we've seen. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you can... Listen to this every day at noon or at whatever time it ends up getting done. I certainly <laughs> hope it's at noon and every day. We'll be recording late at night. We will be recording late at night. For, you your, know noon, for your noon pleasure. That's right. We work late in the night, so you don't have to. <laughs> it's also necessary, too. I feel like it is. in order to do this festival properly and to have any knowledgeable conversation, it's going to have to be after the theaters have emptied. After we've drunk long and deep. From the waters of Sundance. I don't know why I started out so florid. Clearly some of this will have to be cut. Um, It's exactly the sort of thing I don't want to say. And it'll also be accompanied with uh, daily reported articles about the festival. Uh, So sort of a new twist for film comment coverage of Sundance. And I couldn't be happier uh, to to be doing it with uh, Eric. And we will be joined at some point, not this podcast, but later podcasts, by uh, special guests. So look forward to that. Where to begin? Where where to begin? This is something... Well, I mean, I guess, I guess we can start with the fact that we're recording on a Wednesday. The right. festival starts on Thursday. Right. Um, and the, the, the Thursday evening slate has actually gotten bigger over the years. It used to be four films. Or actually, I think it may have just been one or two. And then there were like four different films in four different categories and now they're up to six as well as a shorts program so the evening gets pretty crowded to start so um, but anyway we arrived a day early and i think that's what a fair amount of people do where you arrive a day early get your bearings shop for your food and you know and 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 figure out how you're going to start approaching the festival um and in effect that's what we're doing in this podcast too we're getting our bearings figuring out how we're going to approach the next couple days Right. And I also feel like I should be upfront about my experience with the festival, mm. uh, which is, you know, I'm more or less uh, still a newcomer by the standards of, of many of the longtime um, attendees of the festival. This is my second year attending the festival. Uh, of course, I've kept up with it. And uh, before then, and, you know, um, edited a lot of other people's writing about it. Um, but this is only the second year I've been here in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only also this is the first year we're doing a, a podcast like this. Right. Eric, on the other <laughs> hand, is a, a grizzled soul. 
very grizzled. Uh, this is my 13th year coming. Um, I came for three years as a publicist when I first started, the great Susan Norgant. Uh, and then uh, I've been coming really since then as a journalist and primarily writing for uh, Sundance.org. So putting that on the table too in the sense of um, my my coverage for this festival tends to be um, prescribed in the sense that I wound up doing a lot of Q&As. I do a lot of daily coverage of, of, of basically setting the scene of, 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 of premieres and things like that. I actually kind of, as, as you know, Nick kind of, very happy to be doing this because, like, there I've always have extra things to to say and to offer in terms of the festival that I often don't get a chance to publicly say, and so the, this podcast allows me to get into that a little bit. But yeah, it's been a long time, and I've been here long enough to have seen the town change and the festival change a bit. Venues come and go, supermarkets come and go, <laughs> restaurants come and go, and yet deep down it feels pretty much unchanged in 13 years it there's a there's a strange feeling coming into town every year and feeling like i know this so well and i know it so well because i was here exactly a year ago um and you you know so um yeah sometimes the years flow into each other and then sometimes certain events stick out at a certain point eric will just start hallucinating (laughs) and pretend it's like 2004 i'm just gonna start talking about ben zeitlin and who knows (laughs) new kid uh new kid (laughs) so a byproduct of of it being wednesday is that you know we haven't actually gone to theaters and seen films yet right um but uh what we can talk about is you know a couple of films that we're looking forward to and Maybe also just the bigger picture of where Sundance as a whole fits in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eric, tell us, <laughs> what what are you looking forward well, to? Well, I mean, which sort of maybe begin to answer both of the things you just brought up, which is that um, you know, I do a lot of writing about documentaries uh, for Film Common especially. I program a lot of documentaries. Um, I, over the course of the year, I will... Um, you know, attend a fair amount of festivals either as a juror or as a journalist seeking out documentaries. There's no getting around the fact that this is a very, very significant festival for documentary film. And there are a fair amount of films that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing. Um, there's a film uh, called Hell County This Morning This Evening by Ramel Ross, who is a Sundance Art of Nonfiction fellow. Uh, last year, and I'd seen some footage of his film. Uh, I've, I've seen some footage that were part of this project uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, was kind of blown away by the footage. I don't know what shape it has taken. I don't know how the feature has come together. Um, I just know that based on that footage alone, and Ramel, who's a very talented, very intelligent filmmaker, I'm, I'm. That's that's probably the thing that I've been hoping would be in the festival, and then once it got into the festival, I can't wait to to sort of see what what it's become. There's the another film called uh, 306 Hollywood, which I've heard a little bit about and saw a pitch at Hot Docs uh, earlier last year, and was very taken by what I'd seen there. So very eager to see what that uh, has has become. Really interested in 
the Sam Green piece. That's interesting because that's a that's a kind of performance piece. That's a performance piece. Sam Green, who's a documentary filmmaker, but also you know does very singular performance works. Um, and this is his first sort of feature length piece in a in a long time, and it's about the Kronos Quartet. And I know that it involved a lot of deep research, and it involves a live performance by the Kronos Quartet, you know, simultaneous to a film about them. So, and it's only screening twice on one day later in the festival. So it's kind of hard not to get excited about that. I mean, it's obviously a real event. Um, and who knows? You'd think something like that would have a life beyond this, but you actually don't know. And so if you can only see something twice and it has to be seen live, yeah, it's, uh, that's on my calendar. Yeah, I, I, I think that's something I will be trying to check out as well. This is always a tough question for me, what I'm looking forward to, because... <laughs> Well, I, I like to think I'm, I'm pretty ruthlessly a on the merits person, so I I feel unable or unwilling to handicap things. I mean, I guess there are things I'm looking forward to, sure. but at the same time, it's um, you know, like when people talk about, oh, well, this is a, you know a big film in the festival, or that's a big film, that's a must see film. I don't, I don't always. It seems like there's always the problem of a self fulfilling prophecy there. Uh, and totally. You know, and yeah. I mean, this is nothing new. Ever, you know, people have talked about this before in terms of anticipation, but especially it seems to be a festival that that's one of the types of fuel. No, <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. And, and and when you and I discussed doing this together, we were looking to kind of avoid that kind of thing. Cause, exactly. Because yeah. if you're covering a festival like this, generally you're. And this is not to, you know, we've done it. <laughs> um, some of my best friends do it. When you when your job is to a write up a preview of the festival and then B cover that festival. Yeah. It's really hard to come. You can, and people do. And again, some of our close friends do, but it's how do you like kind of hype up films and then go in a different direction four days later. Right. It's a hard thing to do. You are kind of leading your own witness right. in some ways. <laughs> yeah. No, I've indulged in previewing myself. <laughs> um, you know, usually the prudent thing just seems to be to try to give everything its own, uh, you know, equal time initially and then as you see them right dispose of those that need to because it works the other direction too because then you wind up being harsher on something right. that you had your hopes up for it's true but all that shilly shallying <laughs> aside yeah i guess uh one thing i'm looking forward to is tyrell or tyrell i'm not sure the right way to pronounce it but the new sebastian silva movie mm-hmm. which i guess the premise has been compared to get out i guess a little so that's but that's one thing. Get Out being one thing that did premiere in Sundance last year, but based upon its reception last year, it has to be said it's a film that the fest the people at the festival missed the boat on. Seems to be right, um, which in retrospect is kind of incredible. Um, you know what? That's yeah, that's worth talking about. It's, <laughs> it's strange how it yeah. didn't register that strong. Yeah, it's which is kind of funny because it is a kind of small. Not small, but like it's it's a little film that could only in the sense that here is a first feature, here yeah. isn't you know a, a, a horror movie premise that's really smart as it plays out, but somehow didn't really I don't know didn't really. But is it because it was not? Was it the time it was? I think it may have been the time. I think it's also timing. because it came out theatrical very soon afterwards. It did. Yeah, I think it was basically it was used at Sundance as a platform rather than yeah. Uh, let's discover it. 
But what's funny is that the platform didn't even seem necessary to its success because the success of that film was so beautifully and gratifyingly a popular groundswell very much, for it. Very much. Um, so it's 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 sort of interesting. But Tyrell. Tyrell, I guess, would be one. And uh, like Eric, I uh, have an interest in this new newfangled documentary film uh, idea. So there are a couple of along those lines. I guess I'll be checking out maybe. Generation Wealth, perhaps, might be one I will be seeing. <laughs> Wait, is that a documentary? You will be seeing it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this part needs to be cut. Um, that is indeed a documentary. Yes, okay. I mean, one thing that's going to be hard to cut for either of us to make time for mm-hmm. is there's a relatively new... Is, is new. I don't think they've done they've done series before, but I don't know if it's ever been this robust, this indie episodic section right. um, where they're showing... You know, either full seasons or half seasons, or print or pilots for TV shows. Right, and yeah, there's 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 stuff I'm curious about. There is about. a lot. There is a lot there. It is, uh, yeah. You can't you can't see everything, and it seems especially you can't see all of the episodic things. Right, it's probably physical. But I mean, the one possible. the one that's obviously worth flagging is Steve James's America to me, which is going to be, I think, a ten hour. Um, a series and five hours are going to be shown here. And I mean, it's hard to find five hours in a festival schedule. And yet I, there are a few things, there are a few things I've, I anticipate more this year than, than that. So I, I think I'm going to have to find those hours to, to see that. Um, yeah. That, that one's in, uh, definitely intriguing to me and seems to be an interesting echo of something he did just about 15 years ago, which was also, episodic uh the new Americans, right right so it's i mean not quite 15 years ago but it's it's interesting to see him returning to that Mm -hmm. to that form and that itself is not something i think people really talk about now anymore no they don't um no for 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 somebody that is widely considered one of america's great documentary filmmakers there's a lot in his filmography that is not discussed enough yeah he did seem to somehow as if it was possible fall out of favor fall out of out of i don't know for a while well i mean yeah i mean i this is a, we could do a whole podcast on steve james <laughs> that's right but steve james is somebody i think that winds up getting uh his achievements maybe some get minimized or overlooked because he's not somebody who sticks to a certain method for everything he does he is i think a true example of somebody who subject by subject comes up with a form and approach appropriate to that subject and so He's worked in shorts. He's worked in episodic. He's worked obviously in an epic hoop dreams scale. He's worked in first person. He does voiceover sometimes. He doesn't do voiceover other times. He's all over the place. And I think that that it's hard to stay in on trend or to be the hot right. thing when you're when you're that malleable. Yeah, I, I yeah I hope it doesn't get lost this this festival just because of the the form it's the in, form but. yeah. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and Autograph Collection hotels. This dynamic cultural program is anchored by three key programs, screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S., and a portfolio of beautiful hotels in key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting autographhotels.com. Autograph Hotels, exactly like nothing else. But I mean, that that's actually kind of returns to something you were saying earlier, Eric, <laughs> that this is a, obviously a big festival for documentary. 
But if we can flesh that out a little, in what way is it a big festival for documentary and, and how is it different the way it is important for documentary now than compared to 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago when documentary was more or less something different? Well, I mean, I think there's 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 two related or somersaulting sides to that, which is that it's important because the industry has deemed it important. And I don't just mean the industry, the outside. The industry has been important, which means that it is one of the few festivals that if you have a new documentary, you're going to submit it to the festival. And if Sundance says yes, you say yes and you go. And that makes it very significant. Um, why they say yes and what they say yes to and what they don't say yes to is another question entirely. And, you know, looking at this closely over the last couple of years, just because the film hasn't shown up in Sundance does not mean it is not going to be one of the significant films of the year. You know, just, just this last year, like the strongest documentary for me of the year is the work and the work was at South by Southwest by implication. It would think you'd think that maybe that it was overlooked by Sundance. So you can't just say if it's in Sundance, it's going to be the top documentaries of the year. However, it's a fair bet that if your film is finished, if it's ready to go, it's been submitted there. So that means Sundance has first choice for a certain batch of films right. at this time of year. And so therefore, if they've taken if they've gotten their first choice and they've programmed the films, there's going to be some significant films there. There's going to be some films that are not going to be good too, but there's also there's going to be a handful or more of certainly in terms of documentary of films that you, you need to see, you need to I, seek out, sorry. I, uh, sometimes it's remarkable to me that institutions like that can continue, you know, even as a medium is developing so much. But, I mean, in a way, there's definitely been plenty of challenges in the past 10, 15 years to the, to the, to the, to the dominance of, of, yeah. of, of Sundance. It's, I mean, certainly it's the one that has all the headlines, has the, you know, the prominent top of the year position. But I'm going to sort of, take advantage of your expertise here sure. I mean, what what happens in terms of like as things filter down the rest of the year like you know maybe people listening don't know some of the other places uh, obviously true right. false is one enormous institution well, and true false is an interesting one because true yeah. false is um they don't they don't over they don't uh, overtly premiere films they have premiered films they've premiered some of the some of the better documentaries the last several years but they don't make a big deal of that they don't they don't they don't uh highlight the fact that they've premiered a film. If they've showed a film that's played at four other festivals, that film gets the same amount of attention as something that is playing for the first time, um, which is a wonderful thing in some ways, but it does make it a harder festival to aim for if you're looking to premiere your film. So therefore, I mean, uh, that happens a little bit before South by Southwest. South by Southwest is sort of the next in line in terms of chronological premieres, and they premiere a lot of significant films, uh, documentary films every year, and then Tribeca Film Festival after that. Those three festivals are kind of the bigger, um, Sundance, Tribeca, South by Southwest, of the first half of the year. There are um, other very excellent festivals that premiere f documentaries. S uh, San Francisco does, Full Frame does, as you said, True, uh, True False does, um, Maryland, there are spots where, where significant films premiere. And again, it, it just because you're not, it's just because it's not Sundance doesn't mean a film that premieres at, say, San Francisco or somewhere else 
isn't significant. It, it can be. It is. There's just there are advantages that come from a festival playing in a festival like Sundance because it has more attention. There's more of a marketplace. Um, if you're going to sell it for any kind of money, like that's where you want to be. Right. Um, money. 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 I mean, you know. Um, but you know the, and I don't even know how to. I'm I'm not tracking it in a business way. It's hard to. I don't know that I'm the most knowledgeable person to talk about this, but the streaming services have complicated this a little bit too in terms of there's a lot of pre-sales. There's a lot of films that are financed by Netflix that are premiering here and they kind of have their own trajectory. Like they don't need to be sold. They don't need this platform. They're, they're using this platform as a kind of like word of mouth or get the ball, get the marketing ball rolling way. And it's great that Sundance wants to show it, but they don't need Sundance the same way another film that is truly premiering here that doesn't have distribution and is just, you know, opening itself up to the world, which is from where I'm as, as from the positions that I have, the ways that I come at these things, why I actually love Sundance, why I appreciate Sundance, which is to walk into a room and the film that is, was finished seven days ago is premiering. And this, and this happens at other festivals, but it premieres at Sundance. And if all of a sudden people start liking it, the, a light goes on. A light goes on for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Right. And that's, there aren't that many festivals that can give you, that can offer an audience that or a filmmaker that. Yeah. You know, the, the story, and then we can make fun of it in terms of like Hamlet 2 and other films that like got like $5 million and were bought in the lobby and they wound up being something that nobody wanted to see. There's plenty of examples of that. There's also a lot of examples of, of the opposite, which is why it has that feeling. I mean, it's Sorry, very. Was, that was a long answer. No, I mean, more than more than welcome. Yeah, it's, it's funny to me how much Sundance is very much a stage. It's very much about certain dramas being staged, and I'm not passing judgment by calling it, but that. It, but it's just, it's, it's. I mean, there's something, you know. I go back and forth on that idea. You know, the same thing with the Cannes Film Festival, such a stage, right? And not saying it's good or bad, but Sundance is is about dramatizing discovery you know dramatizing authenticity and i'm not talking about what's going on film you know it's about it's about trying to create that that narrative which you know i guess the common marketing term but uh, it's amazing how enduring that's been and i don't even want to use the b word brand but even just in practice it's still how it how it plays out again there's substance to it because in a sense there's the pick of the litter so there is a lot of really talented work there's like important work and talented people that are waiting to be discovered in a place like this at the same time you're right it's absolutely a brand and that brand gets fed to us in a way that we then maybe see things in a light in a in a somewhat skewed light sometimes where we're not seeing the thing for what it is and so we continue talking around films <laughs> but i would say but yeah, related to that before we, yeah. we uh, i don't know where we are in times but like there is a which is something we should talk about in advance because I think we will be revisiting it because you and I will both be seeing films in public a fair amount, which is how this plays out in the room. Because on one hand, it's thrilling to, to encounter these films in these theaters, these hallowed temporary spaces. Barely any of them are actually movie theaters. They're re- repurposed other spaces and things shit goes down like you know films are discovered and 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 people's lives change like i just said um but because of that these rooms especially in their premieres get packed 
with friendly faces and friendly voices. And so, like, this whole way, we think, I don't know how this plays out in Cannes because I haven't been, but, like, this notion of got a standing ovation, people were crazy about it. That is so well known now that, like, a quarter of the room could be friends of the filmmakers knowing full well that they may they need to make a ton of noise and you see that happen you see it like a wave go up in the audience of like oh right front left of the room is all the people involved with the film and then like we all like oh they're laughing this must be funny and then the room kind of takes it takes over the room and that in a business sense you obviously need to be really aware of that but also like you know the whole sense of being caught up in it and then six months later it gets shown to an audience and eh. Yeah. No, that's the other thing. I, I, I just also feel like I'm constantly aware about how this, what this actually means, if anything, to, you know, a person who just wants to see a movie and, and comes across it, you know, on Netflix or something like right. none of this really exists or existed necessarily for that person. I mean, maybe the fact that you're able to see, I should be able to pull a name out of thin air, <laughs> but you're able to see a Sundance documentary, you know, when it comes out. It exists because it had that platform. But on the other hand, what happens in Sundance might stay in Sundance <laughs> as well. It's strange because it's sort of a meta meta to the main experience. But I think we're perhaps disappearing up our... Uh... <laughs> well, I think, I think Sundance is one of these festivals that bears a conversation like this. Because mm. most people, whether or not they've ever been here, have heard something about this. Yeah. They know it's where a lot of acquisitions happen. Right. They know that's... You know, where all the stars show up and the premieres happen and, you know, where little, you know, little Miss Sunshine can begin its life here. You know, there's a sense of a mythology around it that picking that apart a little bit by us is not too much inside baseball. It's no, it's true. It's true. All of which is for some reason making me remember the first time I heard the phrase canned film festival as a child. I heard the word canned. So I thought it was just a play on the fact that they were film cans. (laughs) <laughs> there I've admitted that in public both the the canned part and the fact that somehow the words canned film festival were said to me as a child or something but anyway I guess that's why I no one said the word Sundance to you as a child <laughs> I was shielded from Sundance they said keep it away from the boy he has to preserve his sense of wonder when he's older <laughs> um, but I'm excited this is going to be your second year it is yes I, I am too I, none of what I'm saying uh, should be taken as cynical uh, at all. I don't go into a film wanting it to fail. Or, you know, I go into a film wishing it's good, you know, wanting it to be good. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks, please be good, please be good, please be good no, sometimes. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know, who who goes to a movie wanting it to be bad? I don't I don't really. So yeah, I'm going out to all these, all these different films and excited to see what, what they have to present and what the filmmakers um, have worked hard on. And uh you know, and then you see what's what's when the lights go down. You see what happens. And so you're seeing a couple of films tomorrow. I'm as seeing I. a couple of films tomorrow. I'm seeing our new president, okay. which I'm excited about. Documentary, archival film by Putin. Uh, and then uh, I'm seeing Private Lives. As am I. I will see Private Life. Private Lives. Private Life. Private Life. Private Life. I am seeing Private Life as well. Um, the tomorrow. Jenkins film. Correct. Um, first film since The Savages. First film since The Savages. And I guess she has, seems to have a very strong hold on on, on people um, dating all the way back to. 
Slums of Beverly Hills. Um, which is not a film I've revisited in a while. I've, I've preferred to let it have that sentimental place. I don't know. It's from an era that maybe you 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 don't question you question your your taste from that era or something. No, I I I I mean that's another interesting thing about a lot of. I feel like there are a number of independent filmmakers who become kind of idols or avatars mm-hmm. for a long time after they're actually still producing work that is as cutting edge as their first work. Sure. I won't name any names on this podcast, uh, but that's definitely a thing. Yeah, there's a certain amount of excitement and. and coupled with trepidation yeah when somebody comes back after yeah a while it's like almost that. i mean it's almost a little bit like going to see a band that you've been right. following for 25 right. years and you go to it 25 years later i mean and but <laughs> and you know you know obviously it's not going to be the same but it's a bigger deal when they actually have a new album yes that's true it's not a reunion tour they have a it's new not album. a reunion tour you're not playing with action figures of <laughs> Kevin Smith or Hal Hartley or something, but uh, that brings us probably to the mercifully to the end of our first podcast. <laughs> oh, come on! No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't undersell us. Um, we have a lot more of these no, to go. I'm underselling myself because, like I said, it's 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 almost hard for me to talk before I have like the yeah. goods, yeah. you know, in in my brain that I've seen. So we can wrap up there, and we will have plenty of films to talk about the next time. Yeah, we come before you, but yeah. Uh, We'll talk about opening night. Opening night films. Tomorrow. The buzz. Um, <laughs> and cheers and jeers. Thank so, you, Nick. Thank you, Eric. And thank you. Thank you, Autograph Hotels. Yes. Thank you, Autograph Hotels. And we will see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else, 